everybody. Anne Louise Gittleman here once again for the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. And I have a special guest with me today who wrote a book called Why the Face? A Practical Guide to Understanding Health and Personality Through Facial Diagnosis. It is my pleasure to welcome one of my new dear friends, Dr. Todd Frisch. Dr. Todd Frisch, welcome to my podcast. Oh, pleasure being here. Thank you. It's an honor. And you are by training a chiropractor, but you have training in a number of other fields. You have training in kinesiology yes. and nutrition and acupuncture, iridology, Chinese medicine, and facial diagnosis. So why did you write this book is my question to you. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, I guess in, so all of us have a book in us somewhere, but few of us ever get it into a printed form. My motivation was um, we're, we're trained as a uh, as a physician to look at our patients and ask what's wrong, and, and that's fine. The problem I had is I ran into too many people that I knew something was wrong, they knew something was wrong, and yet everything medically that I was trained to see showed to be normal. So I realized. I have to have a paradigm shift. And I, I shifted from the thinking of what's wrong to the thinking of what's not right. So my philosophy is you gotta be two thirds sick. And we talk about this in the book. You gotta be two thirds sick before medicine sees anything wrong with you. And that is not a slam against medicine. It's just an observational type thing. So I, I renewed my effort to look in, at my patients and ask what's not right. With that, I got board certified in acupuncture. I, I you know, my chiropractic, you, you have a different take on things. I got into kinesiology. I studied with Bernard Jensen on iridology. I studied every nutritional book out there because I felt all of it had some value. So it just took me to a place where my wife said, you have to teach us. I, I, I teach now more than uh, I, I retired from active, active practice, but I do teach and lecture quite a bit. So she said, you have to teach us. And I said, well, that's kind of intuitive. I don't think I can. Well, turns out I can. And out of it, I wrote this book with my daughter, Abby. And it was just a, an absolute joy to write the book. So what do you, what do you look at? And, and by the way, I, I came to Dr. Frisch through a very interesting story. Uh, one of my students came to visit and presented me with this book, WTF what the face or why the face. And I, and, I, and I was so delighted to receive the book. This was a number of weeks ago. And you, you said to me something very interesting. You told me I was a king face. Can you discuss what a king face is versus every other facial shape you write about? Yeah, actually a pretty uh, interesting combination, a very rare face. Your combination between a king face and a, an iron face. So there are nine face shapes in my world. Nine, uh, nine face you know, shapes. Yeah, a total of nine. I'm a bucket face. So I'm shaped like a pail. I look like a bucket. And my forehead is wider than my chin. And that's the bucket face. And we like to put things in our bucket. Do not play me in trivial pursuit. I will kill you because I know something about everything. Now, the king face has to do with your strong jawline. So king faces, um, it's, it's, it's a face of the king. And again, this is a very sexist society, so you can call it a queen face if you'd like as for a female. But um, a king face sees both sides of the you tend to be very, very fair, make very good judges, but they do much better if they're leading. They don't do well being led. You couldn't make it as a secretary. Just No, no, that's very true. I'm very much a free thinker. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, 
I like to uh, tell every, I like to tell everybody else what to do is what I say because I I, I feel <laughs> that I but I feel that I know best and I don't do it out of a narcissistic feeling. It's because I have an intuitive knowing. So this is very accurate. Absolutely, that, that, that is a king face. Then you, the other half is the is the iron face, and that's I call it the three S's. That's the strong, stable, stubborn give you a job, you're going to get it done. Persevere in things you're interested in. If you're not interested in it, forget it. You don't want anything to do with it. If it's something nutritional, you go all in on it. But if it's something that's not in your wheelhouse of uh, something you're interested in, you don't want anything to do with it. But again, very diplomatic, uh, but can be very, very stubborn. It's it's a powerful face. It's it's not a very common combination at all. In fact, it's quite rare. So it's um, you're, you're a very dedicated leader in summation. Yes, is true. Now, there, there are eight other facial shapes, and I guess you can be a combination. Can you briefly describe what that is and what people should be looking at? Because I want everybody to look in the mirror. What should they be looking at? What are the defining features yeah, of these yeah. various shapes? Sure. So I'll do alphabetically. So the bucket, we're shaped like a bucket. Um, and we love to think. We like to put things in our bucket. And we did a little video that talked a little bit about this. The earth face is like a bucket upside down. They're more jolly. They're bigger at the bottom of the face, smaller at the top of the face. This is the person that's very down to earth. They like the dirty jokes. They're mostly men. They tend to use humor as a crutch. Um, but again, very down to earth. Then we have a fire face. That's like an upside down triangle. This is a very narrow chin. The, the fire is all about sensitivity. These people are very quick learners, but they're very sensitive, almost to the point of being too sensitive. These are the ones that have the food sensitivities and things in the air bother them, that type of thing. The iron face, it's that perfectly square face, which is part of what you are. This is that three S, a strong, stable, stubborn. The jade face, this is a diamond. So the forehead is narrow, the chin is narrow, and, and across the jaw, it's wider. And just as jade is hard, these people tend to be a little hard, almost kind of, they look aloof. Ava Gardner is a is a classic jade face, and she dumped Frank Sinatra. So, you know, they, they kind of like the, their ideas to be the ones that everybody chooses. The king face has that strong jaw, which you have. Jaw is about determination. Uh, for instance, the nose represents power, drive, and ego. So more is the more nose. The nose represents. Say, say, hold on. Say that again. I just want yes. people to understand. The nose represents power, drive, and ego. So is that yes, the shape of the it. nose that you look at? It's just kind of the size of the nose. Uh, so if you have a larger nose, you're going to have more power, drive, and ego. Does that mean you're you're power driven and ego tripping? And no, no. It just means that that's natural uh, uh, traits and talents. If you have a smaller nose, you have less of that kind of thing. It doesn't mean you can't be uh, a very strong ego and have a small nose. It just means the natural tendency. So the jaw, again, in the king face, you'll have that strong jaw. And this is about determination. Jaw represents determination. Then we have a round face, which we call the moon face. This is um, it's in a circle. These are very adaptable people. They don't pay a lot of attention to their health. Uh, so you have to make them aware of their why. The tree face, it's like a rectangle. It's just this very long, long, long face. And tree faces, just as a tree is deeply rooted, these people can take the winds of life. They get deep roots. But their gift, as I say to mankind, is their ability to spread their branches and protect. They make the best parents. And then we have a wall face. You won't see many of these. You'll see them as uh, offensive and defensive linemen in football because their face is very, very, very large and square and very, very um, flat. And so they're uh, talking to these people, again, it's like beating your head against the wall. 
So you look so at the shape. Uh, that's the, the so you look at the shape of the face first and foremost. And what other features do you look at? Do you look at the eyes? How closely how closely defined the eyes are? Do you look at the size sure. of the ears? Do you look at the cheeks? Do you look at marks on the skin? Yes, all those things are important. And again, most books, uh, I've got over 80 books on facial diagnosis. The majority of them talk about personality. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. We wanted to write a book that had more physiology to it. So between the eyes is, it represents your liver. It, it represents your liver. So it's, it's um, <clears throat> the symptoms of having a liver imbalance are going to be indigestion, intolerance of fat. Uh, the emotion of the liver is anger. Um, headaches are common, especially one-sided headaches. So the cheeks represent lungs. So when you see that little baby with real bright red cheeks, we know there's too much heat in their lungs. So they could be dealing with an infection, could be a fever. So all those things have diagnostic value. Nothing shows up on the face that doesn't have more meaning. So, so my point being is that you can actually read your face like a book, and this will give you an inside scoop of what's going on internally. A absolutely. You, 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 the, everything that happens is on the face. And we, the, the point here, Anne Louise, is we all do face reading. You never look at someone and you don't make some kind of um, assessment uh, determination by that face. Yeah. You, you see your child comes down in the morning and you say, aren't you feeling good today? What did you see that morning? You didn't see the morning before. So that all can be uh, put. We put legs to that in our book. So what you see, you can kind of look up and say, oh, that means this. And then you can hopefully make some um, therapeutic recommendations that the book was written to help physicians understand their patients better and then choose options that got to the end point of the healing in a quicker way. So let me, let me just backtrack a little bit. So when you look at the face, the area between the, the, the eyebrows is the liver. So what are you actually looking at? Are you looking at furrows? Are you looking at breakouts? Are you looking at rashes? What, what are we seeing that would indicate a liver issue? Absolutely. Everything that's there. Most of the time it's going to be lines. There are going to be creases there. And uh, the way I always explain this that to make sense is the emotion of the liver is anger. So if you go up to a mirror and make an angry face, you're going to see creases form between your eyebrows. Now, if you see a lump there, well, what is lumpy in the liver? Well, what's lumpy in the liver is cholesterol. So we can tell there could be an increase in cholesterol, high levels of lipids in your body just by having lumps there. If you constantly have a scab there, something is inflamed in the liver, something is it's not healing properly in the liver. And, and we just, we use it in any way we can. So it's a real, um, you know, in medicine, we're, we're kind of a name and blame mentality. And I like to teach think and link. So when we link what we know uh, to uh, what we see, we can come up with some um, conclusions that a blood test will never give us. It's just an outstanding way to assess a patient. Tell me about the cheeks. The cheeks represent your lungs. Uh, so if they're sunken, then we know you're lacking something, usually oxygen. You'll see this a lot with smokers. If the pores are very large, that means we're not getting oxygen in very well. If there's a redness, 
um, that often indicates there is a damp heat in your lungs. Now, damp heat is almost always a fungal infection, a yeast infection in your lungs. And these people will have lung problems. They'll have fatigue issues because they're not getting oxygen in. So the, the emotion of the lung is despair. So I've seen so many, this again, gender specific, so many women diagnosed with depression. And when I take their history and I do their evaluation, I don't think they're depressed. I think what you're dealing with is despair. There's more of a hopelessness component to what's going on with them. And the, and the lung and large intestine, they pair up under what's called a metal element and the metal element governs skin. So when you have skin problems, you know we're dealing with a metal element problem. So it's lung, large intestine. So if, if the skin is all broken out on the cheeks, we know we've got an issue that we need to do some things to kind of cleanse and heal the lungs. So that could be fungal or mold. Yes, it, it almost always is. Uh, okay. More. So let's take the rest of the face. So let's, let's look at the chin. What are you looking at in the chin? Well, the chin um, is really your hormonal system. So if you see a male or a female, and they've got a hook-shaped line on their chin. That means there's just a lack of vitality to their reproductive system. So for the female, it's usually a tipped uterus. For the male, you're looking at a prostate problem. Now, how bad that is, you've got to take their symptoms. So if the female has to go to the bathroom constantly, we know their uterus is tipped, and it's tipped, and it's laying on top of the bladder, and it's not allowing the bladder to hold what it should. So we know we have to do some things to enliven or strengthen the, the core on the inside. Um, and this is as simple as hanging upside down. <laughs> that's these uh, gravity boots and this back swing that, that's been around for years. That's very good. But it also could indicate we need a colon cleanse because the colon could be pushing down on top of it. So this is why cleansing is so important and why paying attention to what's going into your body from a food standpoint is the key to this whole thing. You can actually change your face with, with by improving your health. No, I've seen that happen time and time again with my fat flush plan, which I know you're a big fan of. Big, so that's big, that's, that's deck in my office. So that's definitely that's definitely something that I've seen time and time again manifested. So we've talked about the cheeks, the area between the eyes. So tell me about under the eyes. People complain of bags and puffiness and darkness. What do you look at there? Exactly, those things. Whatever's there is diagnostic. So puffiness, this represents your kidneys. And if there's a very distinct line that comes out of the corner of your eye and crosses your cheek, that is an adrenal line. So this person- so Say that again, Say that, repeat that again so my people can really take that in. So, underneath your eyes represents your kidney. And if it's puffy, it means you're retaining fluid in your body. You'll go for a walk, can't make a fist, can't get your rings off. Um, you, when you peel your sock off, you'll see the, the sock embedded in your ankle. Now, if you see a line that creases very distinctly from the corner of the eye and down across the cheek, that's an adrenal line, the adrenal gland, and that tells us we're under too much stress. And if it, so let's say the adrenal line is only on the left side. Well, that means the stress is, has to do with a male because the left side of the face is your male side, the right side is your female side. So when you see one-sided things, I always teach my practitioners, if you see something on one side, realize there's a gender specificity involved here. 
And so if you've got a decrease on the left eye, underneath the left eye, you're going to have stress with a male. And I see this so common in females that are having marital problems and just it's almost predictable what's going on. Just and the face will tell you and it'll tell you what to do to help it. How do you diagnose a stomach problem, a lack of hydrochloric acid, which is so prevalent in this day and age? You know, years ago in the 70s and 80s, when we both were kind of coming up in the in the profession, people yeah. always talked about a lack of hydrochloric acid. Now nobody talks about it. I think a lot of the SIBO is related to a lack of stomach acid, but nobody's recognizing it. So what would you look at on the face to give you a kind of bird's eye view of the tummy? So uh, if you have across the bridge of your nose, if you have some kind of irritation, that's, that's the stomach. But the, the hydrochloric acid is going to show in the corners of the mouth. And it's interesting that you'll see in the medical literature that if you see kind of uh, scales in the corners of your mouth, it's a lack of B12. Well, where do we get our B12 from? Oh, we get it from protein. Tummy, so stomach. you can't break down protein. And you break down protein. Yeah, you, you, you break down protein with hydrochloric acid. And that's made by the parietal cells of the stomach secrete this hydrochloric acid to break down protein. So you can utilize it. If it's not broken down, it'll putrefy and ferment, so you get a lot of gas and bloating. So the lack of proper hydrochloric acid is essential to be healthy. You cannot function without adequate hydrochloric acid. And it's kind of lost its uh, status, I feel. Yes, lost its luster. All yeah, yeah. And it, it, really, it's, it's a problem with hydrochloric acid. Oh, it's a problem now more so than ever because you, de you decrease your production of oh, HCL absolutely. if you're under stress. And look at the stress everybody's under in this day and time, not to mention what's going on with this pandemic. So it's creating a lot of stress, a lot of fear. Absolutely. But let's take a little deeper. You know, what? look, when you and I were kids, did anybody have a, a gluten sensitivity? No. No, no. I mean, it just was non-existent. So what is gluten? Well, that's the protein in wheat. So now we have uh, children that burp up, they spit up. And the doctors say, no, we can't have that. We're going to give babies Zantac. We're going to shut off their hydrochloric acid production. So now they can't break down protein. And all of a sudden we have a generation of people that are sensitive to food. Well, that was predictable. Why are you giving a baby Zantac because they're spitting up? Baby's been doing that since the beginning of time. You're shutting off their ability to break down protein. So now the body says, this isn't food. This is a foreign object. I'm going to build an antibody to protect you from this foreign object. And now you become sensitive to gluten or peanuts or whatever it might be. And it's all has to do with our inability to break down protein properly because most of the allergens to food are the proteins in the food. So if you see rosacea, isn't that a sign of lack of hydrochloric acid? And how would you know that that's not a lung issue because it's in the same part of the face, more or less? It has to do with heat, too much heat. Rosacea, the, again, the basic premise in facial diagnosis is more is more, less is less. So if you see a lot of redness, there's a lot of heat. So then you have to ask, based on symptoms, are they having lung problems? If they are, then it's probably a lung issue. But if they're having digestive problems, then it's going to be a digestive issue. And the redness is a result of a hydrochloric acid issue. Okay, so then you can actually use this to define and get a little bit more specific. 
Uh, the, the forehead. Let's jump around a little. I want to make sure we cover every jot and tittle of the face here because people will be looking and using this as a diagnostic procedure to then do more in-depth testing. So what happens on the forehead? What is that related to? It's your colon and small intestine. So the sides and the top are your, uh, are your colon. So let's say you have lines on your forehead, and that's normal. We should have three lines that should be straight and parallel as we age on the, on the forehead. But if that, those lines dip in the middle, that means you have a prolapse of your transverse colon, and that's going to fall on top of your bladder, which uh, on top of your uterus, which then tops, uh, falls on top of your bladder or your prostate, you know, in the male. So... And when you see, you see this a lot with teenage boys as they break out on their forehead and, and they just have all this acne on their forehead, they need to do a colon cleanse. It has to do with their colon not being clean. And it's usually because they're eating very poorly and lots of uh, trans fats and unhealthy things are going into their body and they eat no bulk whatsoever. They're drinking a ton of milk, which is just all mucus forming. Not that milk is a necessarily a bad food, but it's very mucus forming. So the body has no way to get rid of waste. So the colon says, I can't get rid of it. I'll share it with the skin and it pushes out on the forehead. So when you see acne on the forehead, <clears throat> you want to think about doing a colon cleanse. So you can actually tell by the strength or the dipping of a line if there's some sort of structural imbalance. How would you be able to define a hiatal hernia? Which I'm seeing very, very prevalent with people totally that different. have GERD. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you have hiatal hernia, you've got a hydrochloric acid problem. It, it hands down 100%. It, you cannot see a hiatal hernia on the face. It's not diagnostic on the face. But the lack of hydrochloric acid is. And if yeah. one has GERD, one and might suspect that. Yep. yep. And there's a kinesiology test you can do. Uh, it's called therapy localization. You can kind of muscle test and determine if, <clears throat> if the stomach is, in fact, in an improper position. But again, you have to ask, why did the stomach do that? So there's three parts of the stomach. You've got the hiatus, the top. Um, you've got the, the fundus, the middle, and then you've got the duodenal section, the lower portion of the stomach. So when the hiatus um, expands, usually due to improper digestion, so you get a lot of gas and bloating and fermentation, then the top of the stomach will herniate through the opening and it presses against your heart. So you get heartburn and you can feel like you're having a heart attack. So the key is to ask, you know, the hiatal hernia is, is interesting, but why is it there? Well, it's there because you're not digesting properly. Yeah, and, and a lot of that gas just pushes the stomach up to where it doesn't belong. Absolutely. So I, I'm just trying to get a very roundabout way of kind of looking at things. And of course, then you have to take these visible signs and do a little bit more investigation. But when people have different size earlobes or their ears stick out or their ears are misshapen or the lobes are very long, what would that indicate? So the ears represent your kidney. And so um, in Chinese traditional Chinese medicine, which is the basis of this, the, the, the Chinese don't have a word for genetics. They call it ancestral energy. And it comes mm, through the kidney. I love that. I love that. So the ears really represent your Yeah, I do too. It's, it, it, it represents your ancestors. So uh, ears are about risk-taking. So if you have large ears like mine, I have no problems taking risk. If you have small ears, you're not going to be a big risk-taker. 
uh, the lobes, if your lobes are attached to the side of your head, remember, this is about family. You're very attached to family. Now, my ear lobes are hanging down. Does that, that mean I don't care about my family? Well, no. It's just I don't have that natural attachment that someone with attached ears has. Now, if the ears are flat to your side of your head, you're hypersensitive to sound. My daughter and I both have a, a condition called mesophonia, that gum snapper three rows behind us, in the theater, we just want to pummel them to death because that's all we can hear. We hear a ticking of a clock and there's all kinds of road work going outside, but all we hear is the ticking of the clock. So that's when the ears are very tight to the side of the head. So when the ears are forward facing, that tells us that people, they hear everything, but they do not listen. We listen too much when they're tight. So you'll see this a lot with hyperactive children. Their ears will be very forward-facing. So you can't communicate with them. They hear everything you're saying. They just don't listen. So you have to talk to them in a different way and actually treat them in such a way that you respect the fact that they hear, but they don't listen. So <laughs> And then if the ears are beat red, then we know there's too much heat in the kidneys, and that is a result of the adrenals being in trouble. And the adrenals are all about reacting or overreacting. So if someone eats an orange and their ears turn beet red, we know that that has stressed the adrenals and they probably have a sensitivity to, um, to citrus fruit. So the color, the shape, the size, everything is diagnostic. What about the gallbladder? I see many, many people in this day and age, Dr. Todd, that have issues with the gallbladder, gallbladder stones, gallbladder that's missing or taken out. Um, number one, what would you look at? And number two, what would you do? Well, what you look at is underneath the eyebrows and above the eye proper. This is the gallbladder area. And you'll often see puffiness there. You'll see it very common in females, and it's com more common on the left side. And again, the emotion of the liver gallbladder, again, this goes back to traditional Chinese medicine, is anger. Women tend to internalize anger. Men externalize it. Yes. For every male that loses their gallbladder, you have eight females. It's an eight-to-one ratio. So how are you correcting? I would recommend fat flush. <laughs> it's just good answer, Doctor I mean, Todd. You, you Very good answer. It, 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 well, it's because it's one I used. It's it's not a good answer. It's the right answer. There's a difference there. So yeah, fat flush is it. I mean, you have to realize that if you cannot emulsify fat, it's again going to putrefy and ferment. That's your gas and bloating. But what happens if it coalesces, if it becomes stagnant, is the term they use in Chinese medicine, that's where you're going to get stone formation. The majority of these stones are, uh, are cholesterol-based stones. So this is where cranberry juice will absolutely dissolve those stones. Malic acid is the chemical that dissolves that kind of stone. If yes. It's a calcium oxalate stone, which is rare. That's more common than any stone. That is dealt differently, although... Uh, cranberry juice can help a calcium oxalate stone also. Yes, we, we use a product called BioBuilder now, which I just created, high in choline, high in uh, taurine, very, very important. And sometimes we use a little phosphoric acid in addition to that, depending upon the size and so forth of the stone. So all that is do all yeah. that is reversible. The point being is you should always let gall, sleeping gallstones lie because you can, do, you can make them smaller, you can dissolve them if you know what to do, and fat flush with the cranberry juice is one method of doing that as well as the use of this bio builder from unikeyhealth.com 
Yeah, there was a, I'm sure you remember this when we all did the gallbladder purges, where we, we not a good thing. People ended up in the hospital because these stones, they, the stones got stuck. A little thing called the sphincter of a yeah, and you know, they get so big. So, the thing you want to do is dissolve the things and let the body handle them the way it should be handled. So, the energy that created the stone can also dissolve the stone, and we want to tap into that energy. And you know, phosphoric acid is great, especially if there's a gout tendency. That's where the phosphoric acid is going to be really beneficial. I've seen that work with gallstones and kidney stones and gout. So, it's there, yeah. there's so many natural remedies that people yeah. just don't understand. So when you see a client, you look at the face, you determine, is there an adrenal issue? Is there a bronchial issue? Is there a spleen issue? Is there a liver issue? And then where do you go from there, Dr. Todd? Well, you have to triage the patients. And uh, again, we, we get sick in steps. Um, we start healthy, then we go out of balance, then we develop symptoms, then we cross the line into the medical world and we have a, a specific diagnosis and they have their protocols for them. And that's fine. Again, what do you do with this first two thirds of patients with no, uh, no known medical diagnosis? Then they make something up and they call things like irritable bowel syndrome. Like, I don't know if that offends you as much as it offends me, but doctor, what does that mean? Well, that means your bowels are irritable. Well, that, you know, that, that covers a lot of ground. Yeah, that's, that's, it tells you nothing. Nothing that yeah, you didn't yeah. already know. Well, again, you absolutely you have to take a good history. You know, what is the chief complaint of the patient? If their chief complaint is they're bloated and they have lots of liver gallbladder symptoms, your, your, your course is set for you. If they have no bloating issues and they have total anger issues, then we know perhaps we have a little different way we have to go. So, you know, we have to use every known diagnostic tool. I would combine, you know, acupuncture. I would measure the meridians of acupuncture. I would do iridology. If you do hand reflexology or foot reflexology, whatever your diagnostic tools are, combine them. If they show up in three locations, it's significant. So if I saw it in the iris, I saw it in the face, and I saw it in the blood work, then you know there's an issue. Go that direction. Three was my Now, I I, I see that you have delved into many different arenas of health and healing. Do you pay any attention to the blood type of a patient? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, interesting work. Um, uh, It's quite fascinating, and it is – it's not a hundred percent. I've had patients that I've done genetic testing and they have uh, celiacs and one gal, she owned a bakery and she had no issues whatsoever. And yet the genetic to- test showed her to have celiacs. So you, you have to take the data and then combine it with the person. I'm always teach, do not, do not treat test, treat people. Because when you treat people, you're going to get to the answer. If you treat tests, you're going to get what you want. So many doctors, let's take thyroid. Um, and they, a female will have a high TSH, so they're hypothyroid. So the doctor will give them Synthroid, synthetic thyroxine, and they get the TSH into a normal range. But the patient's symptoms are exactly the same. There's no change in the symptomatology. But they're, now they're fine according to the test. Well, that doctor was treating a test. He was not treating a patient. Realize they're not converting T4 to T3 in the liver, and they need something like <laughs> a flat flush to get the liver to do its job so it can convert T4 to T3. You can make the thyroid stimulating hormone normal, but can you make the patient normal? That's the key. And if you, don't, if you only treat tests, you're never going to get anybody well. You have to treat people. So what do you see with all these people? And, and we'll have to also remind my listeners where they can get what the phase or why the phase. Um, 
what are the patterns of health that are more, more prevalent today? Do you see a change from 2020, 2020, going into 2021 to what you used to see 10 years ago, for example? Is there a pattern of health that's on a downward spiral? Yeah. It, you know, health, it does change. We live in a much more toxic world. Now, the big word today, you know, is inflammation. That's the buzzword. Was there inflammation out of control in 1980 when I started in practice? Yes, it was. We just didn't put any emphasis on it. We were talking about uh, all kinds of things. It, you know, it was, it was blood. We're talking Everybody about yeast. Remember that phase? Hypoglycemia yeah. and, and the yeast uh, connection. Then we went into yeast. Uh, the, the yeast connection, William Crook, I heard him speak. And uh, interesting, I asked him, um, you, you say in, in his book, he had some things about nutrition there. And uh, he, he said, you, can't, you, you don't want to eat yeast if you have a yeast problem, which is totally not true. <laughs> Fermented foods are very healthy for you. And I asked him about it during a break, and he said, ah, my, my, my editor wanted me to put something in about nutrition. And I went, wow, I, I lost a lot of respect right then and there. But he was a charming, but may he rest in peace. He was a charming yeah, guy. Yeah. I, I knew him from yeah, the Critic and Center. Very, charming, charming yeah, guy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. You know, all, yeast was the big thing, and, you know, food sensitivities, and SIBO was a hot item. Something's always going to be at a hot item. It, it, it's just going to be. The key here is is to restore people back to a place they should have never left in the first place, no matter what's going on in the body. Let's make them healthier, and not let's not, you know, medicine's all about shooting for bullseyes, but... Look, you know, if you know the target and you know the bullseye, go ahead and shoot for it. If you've got a diagnosed cancer, I have no problem with the therapies that are spot on for the cancer. But by all means, support all the peripheral aspects that are happening and and make sure this patient's immune system is stronger. Make sure their detox mechanism is doing its job. Make sure their pH is balanced. Make sure they're handling stress properly. Let's do things to support all those areas so the patient can heal properly from whatever the the diagnostic target is so your blood type is O. I take it yes yes mine is b and i'm a b positive how would you treat me a little differently because i'm a b positive you know if you're going through those eyes and your symptoms go with it then you follow his pattern and it's it's fascinating but again not everybody with o type can has to eat exactly the same way because we're all genetically unique. There's a term I use called bioindividuality. And we have to look at each person as an individual entity. Whatever technique we use, let's make sure it's beneficial for that patient and use as many parameters as you can to determine what's the most beneficial approach. And if blood type is it, I'm going to go there. And but I'm you know, but you know something. I I don't disagree. Talk. I don't disagree with you. I wrote a book in 1996 called "Your Body Knows Best," and I did a lot of research into the Japanese and the blood type theory, and I wasn't caught caught up as much with the diet. So I agree with you on that score. But there is a personality that goes along with the blood types that I find. Incre- very, very accurate. And you're a go-getter. You've, you've organized your own um, nutritional program. You teach it. As a matter of fact, I think it's called 
what is it called? Shape reclaimed. I mean, I'm impressed with everything yeah, that you've done. Oh, and O can do that. It's a B blood type. I'm a little bit more esoteric. Think outside the box a little yep. bit more and don't handle stress as well. And also am uh, a um, kind of like a visionary in, in my work. So I have somebody handling a lot of the business details. So that's what I found so very impressive it was the personality and they really they, i mean they do all kinds of of in japan for example when they're when they're wanting to to have somebody come in for a particular profession they'll advertise people that are in the cooking field to make sure that they have a b blood type so i mean they give a lot of it's almost like an astrological f forecast based on blood type so i think there's a lot to be said for that personality which can can drive your nutritional and health choices well, what we teach with our shape practitioners is to, again, look at each person as this unique individual and build a program and factor in the things that are important, number one, for their health, but also that are important to them. So if being a vegetarian is a spiritual need that you have, that has to be respected. It may yes. not be the right thing for you from a health standpoint in someone but it is for your soul. as a physician, but it's but it is for the soul of that person. So you must respect where they're coming from. Now, if, if their um, part of their mantra is, I need to start my day with a Snicker bar and a bottle of Coca-Cola every day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take umbrage to that. It's not, you know, it's not <laughs> correct, even though they spiritually connected to it. I'm going to have a problem with that. But, so you have to kind of dance with each person that comes in. And, and again, all these techniques, um, whether it be, um, uh, you know, body type, uh, blood type, whether it be um, all these different diets that are out there, you know, whatever it seems to connect with that patient, be respectful of that, but also, you know, know what you know and do what you do to help that patient achieve a better state of health. Let's get them you know, back to a, a place that they should have never left in the first place. That's so a, a couple of questions as we kind of end up our wonderful uh, episode of First Lady of Nutrition podcast. And that is number one, where do people get your book? You can get it on Amazon. You can also just go to our website, WTF, um, Why the Face, WTF, Why the Face. And uh, you can order through there. Um, and so it's, it's available. Uh, if you want a signed copy, uh, uh, I, I need my office phone number here. I'll give you that too. 636-484-8444. I never called it. Can you tell? We don't remember. Now, if you want a signed copy, just call me direct and I will, I will sign it for you. And my cell phone is 636 399 Four one four one, and I, I have books here. I'm up in northern Wisconsin with very poor um, uh, electronics, <laughs> as you can see. Uh, but I would be happy to sign a book. Just call me; I will sign it and uh, send it out to you. What a sweetheart! Um, my next question is: If people wanted to hook into your shape reclaimed, how would that happen? How can they get connected to you in that respect? Which I guess is a system of yeah. diagnosis. It is, but it's a it's a program in itself. It's an eating program. Um, Shape was built uh, for my menopausal wife who gained some weight. She did everything right, and she still gained weight and lost her mind. <laughs> and so I was forced to look at weight loss, which I have a disdain for. Uh, I just, 
the premise that shape was built on is number one, all diets fail. Number two, it can't be just metabolic. It's gotta be something else. I believe weight problem starts in the brain. It's a problem that our limbic system is not communicating. The hypothalamus does not talk to the pituitary. Therefore, the messages aren't getting through. So I built a program that was based on the fact that all diets fail. And all, and the reason all diets fail is they go into starvation. So we use a simple urine specimen to spot starvation and then change their eating based on what the urine analysis tells us. So it's, a, it's this bio-individuality. So you can go to shapeacclaim.com and all the things there if you want to uh, uh, become a practitioner, if you qualify. It's a, it's a practitioner-driven entity. We can't just let the public do it because we have to monitor. We change chemistry so dramatic that we need to be able to understand what's happening. My success with two type, type 2 diabetes is nothing short of phenomenal. I, I, do, I just do not fail on it. So it's, it's kind of exciting. Now, we didn't realize, I built shape for my menopausal wife, but then we realized it's anti-inflammatory, it's immunoenhancing, and it's a detox all, all together. So when you combine it with all the other things, it can be just nothing short of remarkable. So shapeacclaim.com, or you can call me direct. I gave you my number, 636-399-4141. It's my cell phone. Very sweet. Thank you so much. Thank you for being so accessible, so personable. Thank you for writing Why the Face. I'm so glad that I was presented this book as a gift because it connected us. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. So any parting words for my audience? You know, there's three levels of health. There's a physical level of health. You, you have lots of things there. There's a mental, emotional level of health. Be respectful, but there's a spiritual level of health. Find something spiritual to hang on to, and the other two will be brought up. It's a great way to look at life. Take a Thank spiritual you. walk. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you so much. So I want to wish everybody a wonderful rest of their week. I want to thank Dr. Todd Frisch and Why the Face and his lovely wife, Linda, who's been so helpful in, in finessing all these connections that we've made with Dr. Frisch. And I want to thank you, my wonderful audience, for listening to this episode of First Lady of Nutrition podcast. It's been brought to you by UnikeyHealth.com, my go-to for anti-aging, for women's health, men's health products, and detox. So have a beautiful, healthful, restful rest of your week. Shalom, shalom. Thank you all. 